Jared. From Jordan Hare Stadium to Auburn Arena. From the Plains to the recruiting trail and all points in between. If it's Auburn, we've got it covered. Did I say War Eagle or War Eagle? That's it? War Eagle. This is the Auburn Undercover Podcast with Brandon Marcello. Hello, everyone. I'm Brandon Marcel. Thanks for joining us here on the Auburn Undercover Podcast. I'm live via tape delay in Kansas City, Missouri. I think I'm on the Missouri side. Yes, I am. On Wait. Yes, I'm on the Missouri side. Apparently, you can't really tell when you go between Missouri and Kansas in Kansas City, I'm told. But I'm in Kansas City. I landed... Earlier Wednesday afternoon, uh, the basketball team is apparently here, but I haven't seen them. Obviously, I'm not in the same hotel as them, but we will get to catch up with them Thursday morning when they go to practice there at the Sprint Center here in downtown Kansas City. Of course, Auburn in the Sweet 16 here. They're going to be facing number one seed North Carolina, a team that a lot of folks believe is going to win the whole thing here. Uh, But Auburn's standing in the way for right now. Um, we spoke to Bruce Pearl earlier this week. We actually spoke to him on Tuesday. Didn't speak to any players, but we'll speak to players and Bruce on Thursday morning. So we'll have much more uh, from them. Uh, in this episode, uh, we're going to bring in Jerry Meyer, uh, basketball analyst for 24-7 Sports. He's really kind of fallen in love with the way Auburn's playing lately. And uh, I'm wondering what he thinks about Auburn's chances against North Carolina. I'm also wondering what he thinks about the state of SEC basketball. Um, Actually, as I record this right now, Alabama just announced the hiring of Nate Oates, who was the head coach at the University at Buffalo, where, of course, Auburn Athletics Director Alan Green uh, came from as an athletics director and assistant athletics director. And he knows Nate very well, and uh, he went on Twitter and congratulated him and uh, he believes he's going to have some success there. But what's interesting, uh, I wanted to get into this real quick. Buffalo loves to play up-tempo, and they love to shoot the three-ball. So how much fun is uh, Alabama and Auburn basketball going to be uh, here in the near future? Um, could could be great. Who knows? Um, but we're here to talk about Auburn. I mean, Auburn's in the NCAA tournament, um, and uh, these Tigers are hungry for a lot more than just making it to the Sweet 16. I, I worked this week on a story about Bryce Brown, and um, every time I say Bryce Brown, I think of Chumo Kiki uh, singing the We've Got Jared song that was made by uh, Auburn Superfan, Son of Crow, um, shooting that thing from way downtown. Um, I, I, You know, when you 
look at this team. They do so much well, but it all kind of starts really with whether Bryce Brown or Jared Harper is hot or hot uh, beyond the arc. And more often than not, one of them's on if the other one's not. We haven't seen both of them on necessarily in, in a game and um, consistently. But one thing you can count on with Bryce Brown is that even if he starts off slow, he ends up hot or vice versa. He's going to hit his shots at some point. So anyway, I spoke to a lot of people close to Bryce Brown. I spoke to Cedric Brown, his father, who uh, drives over from Stone Mountain, Georgia, over to Auburn at least once a week, if not up to three times a week, to help him put up shots. He's kind of a shooting coach uh, before and after practice. Some days they will not leave the court until Bryce has hit 500 shots total. And that's not just three-pointers. That's from seven spots on the floor, he told me. Some of them are one foot under the goal. Um, some are three-pointers. Some are free throws. Um, and that tradition for them started in middle school, continued in high school, continued through his career at Auburn, and it's still going on as they enter the NCAA tournament. Tuesday night, uh, he drove up or down. You ever, you ever notice people say drive up or drive down? That doesn't even really make sense when you're looking at the uh, planet Earth. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Cedric came over to Auburn and uh, worked out with his son. Uh, he said they've got, they made about 250 baskets, including free throws. They didn't want to go too hard as to not like wear out his legs or his arm. Um, but um, very interesting uh, items that I gathered from Cedric Brown about his son and what they work on. And, and something more recent that was interesting to me, you know, you guys remember the New Mexico state game in the first round of the NCAA tournament, Bryce Brown started over four beyond the arc, didn't hit a three point shot in the first half. Um, and Cedric told me uh, Bryce's father that he noticed immediately that Bryce wasn't getting a lot of lift on his shots uh, the arc of the ball, uh, the arc of his shot was very flat, and that's why he was missing shots. So he texted his son, and his son picked up the phone at halftime like he usually does. By the way, a lot of players look at their phones at halftime, believe it or not. And I know that's some of you are going to go, you need to be focusing on the team and the coaching. Well, doesn't always happen that way. So anyway, he uh, got the text from his dad, and his dad said, he goes, I don't know what you got to do to fix it, but you need to fix it. It's the arc. It's the arc of your shot. So he came out, started shooting some beautiful rainbows, and hit a couple of three pointers. And Auburn ended up winning that game, uh, despite a meltdown late. And then, really, he came out on fire, as we know, against Kansas, hitting his first five three pointers, all five three pointers in the first half. Just an incredible stretch. And you know, uh, Bryce's dad was telling me that those were the most beautiful arc shots he's seen from him in a while. And that's got to continue against this North Carolina team, guys. Man, they are good. But I had a lot of fun working on that Bryce Brown story. I talked to Chris Lofton, the former Tennessee guard, who's number one all-time in SEC history and three-point shots made. Uh, number two, of course, is uh, Bryce Brown. And I talked to Chris Lofton about what he thinks of Bryce, how much he's watched of him, and also why is it that Bruce Pearl is the common denominator between uh, among the, the uh, three-point shooters, uh, the top three-point shooters in the SEC. And um, 
anyway, I really enjoyed writing that story, talking to Chris Lofton, talked to Bruce Pearl off to the side a little bit about it, talked to Stephen Pearl, talked to Bryce Brown, Cedric Brown, Jared Harper, Chumbo Kiki. A lot of people quoted in that story, a lot of insight from those guys. Really thank them for chatting with me uh, about uh, just the amazing career of Bryce Brown, which he and his teammates hope extends beyond this weekend here in Kansas City at the Sprint Center where Auburn faces North Carolina Friday in the Sweet 16 at 6.29 p.m. Central Time. Auburn's an underdog, and uh, really for good reason. This North Carolina team is playing as well as anybody in the country. Of course, Auburn's won 10 straight, but North Carolina, they've got big, big guards. And that's something that's going up on our website Thursday morning before Auburn practices is that, you know, this North Carolina team, like their smallest guard, 6'4, they're usually 6'5 or better. They got a 6'9 guard, and they play pretty good defense as well. And they run the ball, and they love to shoot the three ball. And Unlike previous North Carolina teams, uh, they love to shoot the three ball more than they like to go inside because they're inside guys six foot eight, six foot nine, and Luke May. He's a double double guy, but he steps out and takes threes too. So these are two similar teams in that they love to run and get in transition, but they're different physically. And you wonder is that an issue for Auburn? I think it very well could be. I mean, I mean, you have someone who's six inches taller than you defending you and pushing you out on the perimeter. Auburn's had problems against teams like that with bigger guards. And they have throughout the season, throughout Jared Harper's career, throughout Bryce Brown's career. So uh, that is something really to watch here uh, going into Friday. I, I wonder um, what Roy Williams, the North Carolina coach, has to say about that. Uh, when we speak to him Thursday afternoon, I believe. And then Bruce Pearl, of course, has already hit on it a little bit about how he was, uh, you know, writing up on the whiteboard, you know, here's, you know, your matchups and here's who's on the team for North Carolina. Jared Harper said, is that guy really six foot five? And he was talking about his matchup uh, going into this game. I believe it was Kobe White, the freshman guard um, for North Carolina, freshman phenom, really. And uh, he said, yeah, he's about he's 6'4", 6'5", Jared. Um, and this isn't a North Carolina team that, that Auburn could just simply run around uh, as they did against Kansas. Uh, they really had the much better matchup against Kansas. This game is probably the toughest game on the docket for Auburn, even if they advance into the lead eight. If they get past North Carolina, um, watch out, everybody. If they beat North Carolina – if Kentucky gets the Elite Eight, and that's the opponent Auburn has, if they, I don't see how Kentucky beats Auburn for a third time this season. It's just my opinion. But this this is the toughest game um, so far for Auburn um, facing North Carolina. If you want to find a team to compare them to, they're a more athletic uh, Tennessee team. They, they got some experience. They got big guards. They got bigger guys. Auburn's had success against Tennessee, of course, but it'll be interesting to watch. This, this, you know, it's interesting. You look at the stats. Uh, North Carolina, when they've lost, they're like shooting twenty eight percent beyond the three point arc, which usually isn't the case. You know, it's usually they just got to get the production inside. But when they're not shooting well beyond the arc, that's when they lose games. Now they've only lost six games, of course, but their their shooting percentage is a lot better, ten percent better 
or more actually when they're winning games. So something to watch there. And they've they've got a they've got a shooter who's hitting forty six percent of his three pointers uh, for North Carolina. So this is not this is a North Carolina team where you know they got one shooter or two shooters. They've got three, um, and they got a big guy. So be interesting to watch, guys. Um, meanwhile, back on the Plains, uh, freshman defensive back Cameron Kelly left the team to deal with some personal issues. I got word Tuesday that it might be happening, and, of course, it was a personal issue. I didn't want to get into it. Um, and I'll say this. It was, it's nothing bad. He didn't do anything. Uh, it truly is a family thing, and he's he's got to deal with some stuff with his family. But um, – It'll be interesting to see if he like ends up landing somewhere closer to home, like North Carolina or something. But uh, Auburn loses Cameron Kelly, who just you know signed with Auburn and enrolled, and less than two weeks into practice, he's he's gone. Meanwhile, Auburn continued practicing. Our Jason Caldwell uh, was at practice and uh, got some observations up on on the website. One interesting note: Joey Gatewood was working with the first team offense. What's that mean? Not much. You know, Gus Malzahn said they're going to continue rotating guys, but obviously that means that they're very serious about giving Joey Gatewood an opportunity and a shot at this. Another thing, Harold Joyner continues to play running back and actually got a carry early in practice, which is something to watch. Nick Coe continues to work between defensive end and defensive tackle. Um, I think he'll move inside on some pass rushing opportunities. That'll be very interesting to watch here as we move forward in the spring. So that's going on in the Plains. Obviously, we'll be focusing a lot more on football once the basketball season ends, whenever that is. Um, I know Auburn fans are hoping it's not this weekend here in Kansas City. But let's get an outsider's perspective. You've heard enough of me talking. Let's let's bring someone else in, a national analyst, someone who's followed Auburn a little bit, a little bit more closely here over the last week, and see what they think about this game. We'll get to Jerry Meyer, our guest on the podcast right after these messages. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Jerry Meyer joins us, 24-7 Sports. One of the top basketball experts out there, if I ever get his name correct. Um, that That's an off-the-air story. Jerry... <laughs> <laughs> let's yeah, talk about inside, the inside info there. <laughs> yeah, let, let's talk about let's talk about this Sweet Sixteen and specifically Auburn. Auburn just shooting the leather mm-hmm. off the ball beyond the arc right now, yeah. and you do that, you win games. You don't hit the shots, you don't win games. But Auburn's going to face quite a different challenge with North Carolina. I think I think they they're the best team in the in the field right now. But what's your take mm-hmm. on this game right now? Um, you know, I picked them to win it, so. We're of the same mind there. I, I think North Carolina, um, tremendous team, playing tremendous ball. They're fun to watch in that I think they have a high basketball IQ spread throughout their team. 
and they move the ball. They, it, you know, they make the right decision. They make the right cut. They make the right pass, you know, for the most part. And they play up-tempo and fast, and I think it's going to be an unbelievably fun game to watch because I think Auburn is hitting on a similar uh, cylinder. And, you know, I think Auburn shoots it better than them probably, and at least throughout the, you know, throughout the lineup. And, man, I, I am so amazed, intrigued. I mean, I hate to use too big of words or too – powerful of words but i kind of am with auburn's defense i mean i I think they play better defense in north carolina yeah it's been somewhat incredible what auburn auburn has done defensively it's like after they lost to kentucky by 27 on the road and they've won 10 straight since then they've totally refocused on defense and Mm -hmm. you know everybody looks at defense and go oh they're allowing this many points but these guys are like averaging like nine steals a game and yeah, when nearly, they're playing a lot of a lot of possessions, you know, right, <laughs> right, be a lot of points. Yeah. Um, yeah. What What is intriguing about this Auburn team that might make them a potential upset threat uh, with North Carolina? Well, because here's you know I, you know I knew I was going to be on your show, did a little research, tried to dig a little deeper, and man, what, what really struck me is how many assists is Auburn getting and then how many turnovers along with how many steals and then flip it to the other team. So when Auburn is good, they, they are moving the ball. Obviously they're making shots. You can't get assists if you don't make shots, but they're moving the ball. They're sharing it and they're getting the high assist number and they're not turning it over. And then they're turning over the other team. Um, I think that's like a key stat to look at as far as them being an upset threat, as you put it. I mean, I'm, I'm very intrigued to watch this North Carolina-Auburn game. Yes, I've already said I picked uh, North Carolina in my bracket, but I'm not th- I think this might be their toughest, one of their toughest tests. I think Auburn is just playing great basketball right now, although they are lucky to get past the first game. <laughs> that was a complete uh, meltdown in the final three minutes. <laughs> Oh, I remember watching it, man. I'm thinking that there's no way they're winning this, you know. You know, when it got down to like the very end and guys got yeah. three free throws, uh they're you know, basketball's crazy that way. March Madness is sometimes you get through a game like that and you just go on an epic run. But so the point being you don't know. You, you you never know. But I agree with your assessment. That Kentucky game is kind of a watershed moment of disappointment and then a refocus on defense and it's up the intensity. The only way Auburn is going to win is in a fast, chaotic type game, in my opinion. And I know that's the strength of North Carolina is playing fast, but you know, like who that's left can't play fast. So you have to do what you do. I think you try to play even faster, you know, try to take it to a level of uncomfortableness for North Carolina. Yeah, because that's the thing, as you mentioned, everybody remaining in this tournament can play fast. This North Carolina team has played fast all season, and the matchups for Auburn are, on paper, look like they could be a nightmare. You've got a huge backcourt in North Carolina. Yeah, so you don't want a half-court game, I don't think. The the more wide open, the faster the game, the less of a one-on-one matchup game it is. If, they, if that makes sense, you know, right. it's not like we hunker down. Now it's man, is this guy better than that guy? Is this guy better? Because then you you got to feel North Carolina has an advantage. They got more size. They got guys who can score with size. So anyway, 
I think you got to make it crazy fast. You know, when you look at this Sweet 16, I mean, it was almost straight chalk other than Oregon and, and Auburn. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think we didn't see any big, big upsets uh, really man, that across is, that's the board. a great question. That's a great, great question, Brandon. Um, man, I hadn't really thought that through yet. <laughs> as soon as you started going there, I was like, "Wow, okay, that's a good one." Hey, maybe I should get Jerry Palm on here. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know. Well, Jerry Palm or maybe Ken Palm. Ken Palm, because I, uh, I look at uh, Palmroy. I look at yeah, I mean Ken, Ken Palmroy. You look at his like his rankings of the teams, the top 14 are still alive. Isn't it incredible? He does a great job. LSU's 19, Oregon's 28. So, um, man, I'm not analytically gifted enough to exactly know why there's been so much chalk this year. Yeah. But there certainly has, man. That's a great question. I don't know the answer. I I don't – you know, we've had some close ones. I mean, like we just said, Auburn could easily not be playing now. Absolutely. Um, um, But – I don't know. Maybe just one of those years. Maybe it's just all random. I would kind of lean that direction. Maybe yeah, I like think next year it'll be like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we won't see. We'll see half of you know the top sixteen in the efficiency rankings. You know, will be in the Sweet Sixteen. I, I think that if uh, New Mexico State had beaten Auburn, I think they would have beaten Kansas because New Mexico State, like Auburn, uh, can yeah. play fast. They got quick, quick guards, and, and Kansas could not. Uh, sure. keep anybody in front of them. So you, that could have been a well, huge it makes upset. Sense. It makes sense, right. I mean, because, you know, they could just as easily have won that game. And this is not our typical Kansas team. Yeah, no, no doubt. I no. mean, I, I had Auburn picked for this game. I, I felt very confident they could beat Kansas. Um, it'll, it'll be a, a much tougher test uh, this weekend. Yeah. You know, I was looking at some anal- an analytics, as you would say, and, and mm-hmm. just in the two NCAA tournament games for all the teams remaining in the Sweet 16, the two lowest seeds are Auburn and Oregon, as we know, 5-12. and 12. They also are tied for the lead and turnover margin in the first two games. They're well, there not, we go. They're not turning the yep. ball over, and they're turning other people over, and that's been the key yep. for both, both, both teams. Um, I would say for Auburn, obviously against North Carolina, they have got to turn over the Tar Heels to even have a chance yeah. in that game. They got to shoot the shoot for the weather sure. off the ball, as I say. Um, and I was looking at North Carolina's losses this season, and the only reason why they've—I mean, it's not the reason, but the games they've lost—they—they're they, just not shooting the three ball very well. Um, mm-hmm. The last three losses, they shot twenty percent beyond the arc. They're averaging 38-plus percent for the season and over 40 percent, I believe, in wins this season, and they've won 29 games. So as much as North Carolina can do with its guards and driving to the basket and, of course, Luke May doing what he does underneath and able to step out and shoot the three ball, you know, from talking to some North Carolina folks, this is a much more perimeter-oriented team under Roy Williams than in in previous years. It's not like he's got a seven-foot center in there right now. Yeah, no doubt. You know, and Brooks, one of their big guys, is not a big scorer. Uh, you know, that's a good, yeah. They're getting some points now, or they did like the last game. I think he's been playing better in this year, little. But yeah, they do not have that traditional North Carolina post-up game. You know, you're running the secondary break, you're going into four out, one in motion, and you're trying to like, you know, kind of like Michigan State plays. Um, that has been North Carolina's mo. 
not so much this year. I totally agree with that. Cameron Johnson's big for him. Kobe White, uh, both their shooting guards, uh, Williams, Robinson shooting threes. And then Luke May, just kind of every, you know, Luke, Luke May, more of a, like a mid-range guy, same as Nasir Little. They don't really have that low post game. I, you know, I don't think it's that horrible of a matchup for Auburn. Um, I think Auburn can give them trouble pressuring the ball. I think Kobe White is a great talent, but I would mm-hmm. say as a whole on the perimeter, not the greatest dribblers, ball handlers on North Carolina. I think, I really? think you know, well, yeah, yeah. I, I really mean that. Like Kobe White's a great player, but he's not like your traditional, just like ball handler, ball handler. I mean, he's a great ball. Handler. He's a great player. But as far as just like dribbling and then you combine him with the other shooting guards, right. I don't think that's necessarily their forte's dribbling. I think Cameron Johnson is a very good passer, but I don't think he's a very good dribbler. I think the more Auburn can make them dribble the ball, get up into them, make them dribble, I, I think they can cause some trouble for North Carolina. And that's what they did against Kansas. They uh, really mm-hmm. negated exactly. the inside game, yep. and they made them dribble a lot, and then Auburn's active hands really got in the well, passing lanes. Right. Um, and, and the thing with North Carolina, they don't even have a strong inside game as Kansas. Sure. You know, they can score inside. Don't get me wrong. I mean, like we've already – you know, it's funny how you talk. Like, because we're, we've, we've, I picked North Carolina to win it. <laughs> right, yeah. All teams have their weakness. We're talking about yep. – and I think it's a tough matchup for them. I think Auburn is a tough matchup because often – your best interior defense is having great perimeter defense because it's hard to pass the ball to the guy. You get them out of their offense. You get them out of their rhythm on offense as far as feeding the post. I think Auburn wants North Carolina to dribble the ball as much as possible. What Sweet 16 game out there do you think has the greatest potential for an upset? And before you say anything, I'm going to say mine. Mm -hmm. I think it's Houston and Kentucky. I think it's Houston and Kentucky. Well, that's a good one. It's a good one. It's not a huge one because Kentucky's barely favored. Sure, sure. But I, I, man, no argument there. I picked Kentucky in my bracket. If I had to pick today, I might still pick Kentucky. But I think, yes, Houston is very good. I mean, their numbers are good. Their analytics are good. You watch them play, they're good. You know, and they got the coaching. They have the experience. Um, I think it's a great Sweet 16 in general. Um, another two that stick out. Here's some fun ones for me. LSU, Mississippi State. I mean, Michigan State. I think LSU's better. And Michigan State Michigan opinion. State has been turned the six-point favorite. Yeah, and Michigan yeah, State's been turning the ball over quite a bit and not, prote- and not committing a lot of turnovers. LSU's yeah. longer. I, I, I could see that as well. That's really good. Very impressed with the LSU team. I think Gonzaga wins. I think, <laughs> but I don't <laughs> like that point spread. I mean, if I, you know, if I'm putting money on the game, I like FSU, and FSU's totally capable of winning it. And then I'll say the game that, um, and I think Auburn has a great chance. We've kind of covered that, right? Texas Tech and Michigan, to me, from a basketball purist standpoint, I just cannot wait to watch that game. I think. Both coaches are right at the very top of all coaches in NCAA right now. Uh, love the way they play. 
you know, the ball moves around. They're active on defense. They just play really good basketball, in my opinion. So I'm excited about that game. Outside of the tournament right now, um, I want to talk quickly about the SEC. The SEC has improved over these last few years with coaching talent, and it's put a lot mm-hmm. of pressure on other programs, obviously. And we're now looking at four job openings in the SEC, um, Alabama, Vanderbilt, Texas A&M, and then on Tuesday, Arkansas fired uh, – why am I forgetting his name? Mike Anderson. Mike Anderson, of course. Uh-huh. So Nolan Richardson, disciple. Um mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised to see Kelvin Sampson go to Arkansas, by the way. Um, um, you know, that doesn't shock me if that happens. Yeah. yeah. But what do you make of all these openings in the SEC, especially at a place like Arkansas, which has had has tradition but hasn't been winning as, like they want to, Vanderbilt, where they had a very short leash on Bryce Drew, uh, and then Alabama, where I think they felt a little pressure about what Bruce Pearl's doing at Auburn and the rest of the SEC. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, Texas A&M, where, um, you know, they made a, they, I mean, they knocked off North Carolina last year in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden they're firing or he, he's stepping aside. Yeah. Health Who reasons. Did, yeah, sure. Yeah. Him. And I, yeah. and I think a lot of us expected that at some point in, sure. uh, yeah. soon in his career. But what do you make of all these changes? It's, it's almost like these SEC schools now in basketball are treating it like it's football. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're, they're, fire, they're hiring yeah, and firing no, guys left and right. No, I, get your, I got your take on it. Um, you know, there's a lot of changes going on right now. Coaching, at least that's my impression. Um, yes, I think – well, let me start with this. I think the SEC is consistently and – to a great degree, underrated as a basketball conference. I think that's been going on for like 10 or more years. I mean, maybe 20 years. You know, we'll have all those years where, oh, wow, we get down to the Sweet 16 and there's five SEC teams still alive and there's four. You know I mean? That's been happening for a while. I think football, you know, basketball gets overshadowed by football. And the SEC, I do think the SEC has strong coaching, like you mentioned, I think that's part of the rise. I think it gets underrated. It's going to be interesting to see if these schools hire. Um, I'm going to guess Buzz um, Buzz Williamson to Texas A&M. Yeah. You know, that's one that I think – I mean, I, not like I'm going on out on a limb there. Texas guy just makes sense. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he's a great coach, so that's going to make the conference stronger. You would have to think Vanderbilt is going to get someone good. And, you know, I wish I had more inside intel on who these people might be. I don't. Right. I think Alabama's serious about it. And, you know, I think it only makes sense, just to go on a little tangent here, Alabama, Auburn, you know, schools that are football-type schools, you know, that that's where they hang their hat. Traditionally, it's, historically, that's what they are, and that's what they are right now. I, I I would think Nick Saban wants a strong basketball program. It's not like he's threatened or anything, right? Um, Auburn, same deal. That's get you know they got Bruce Pearl. They made the commitment there, and that's going great at Auburn. You know it's been bumpy, but it's going you know really good right now. It, it only makes sense to invest. You got the money, invest the money. Why would you not want a great football program and a great basketball program? 
Yeah, I think that's a that's a great point in that a lot of these programs are just decide let's spend a lot of money on and go get a great great coach. Alabama, I mean, they did that with Avery Johnson, and then getting rid of him. I mean, his buyout, I think it's been worked down, but his buyout was supposed to be eight million dollars. Yeah, because um, I think they figured out he wasn't that great a coach. <laughs> you know, well, they, especially especially they, in late game situations. In. Yeah, I mean, they do, you know, like yeah, I don't really want to even go down that road but i hear you <laughs> I, I, I just think that's what happened you know i don't want to beat a well listen i'm a, down type deal you know yeah been just fired but I, yeah. I think that's what they realized and you know they bring in some fresh faces and people are looking at it and they're like no this ain't what it's supposed to look like <laughs> you know i know yeah. what do you, what do you think about that arkansas job is it like is it still a prestige job or is it just no, kind of i i don't think so yeah, I don't either. You know, I, th- I think Nolan Richardson made it a prestige job. And part of that was Nolan Richardson got what he wanted out of Memphis, Tennessee. And you're not going to do that with Penny Hardaway at Memphis now. Oh, goodness. So where's no. Arkansas going to get its players? <clears throat> and, you know, th- there are some, there's some talent in Arkansas, but is there enough to consistently field your program? You know, there isn't in any state. Because if you got really good players in Arkansas, people are coming in to get it. I mean, that has happened in the state of Alabama. You know, you have like some McDonald's, Stanley Robinson, where did he go? Connecticut. Right. Trenton Walford, where did he go? Um, Indiana. Now, a lot of players also stayed home at either Auburn or Alabama. But is there a no? You got to recruit nationally, and so I think it's tough for Arkansas to recruit nationally because I don't think it's just naturally that attractive destination. And then if you get ringers in Arkansas, you know, all the Texas, you know, it's not even just the schools right by you. You know, anyone that's good, Oregon is going to come in there, right, you know, and maybe get a guy. So I don't – yeah, no, I do not think Arkansas is an elite job or such great a job. I think you can win there and be good. But I don't think it's any type of special job. So what's your final four, Jerry? Uh, final four. Let's see. I brought my bracket out. Uh, Duke, Gonzaga, UNC, and Tennessee. Okay. Do you get? Do, so I kind of went chalky. So far, yeah. it's working good for me. Well, listen. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, a lot of people went chalky. I, I, I can four. get all of my eight. I got thirteen out of sixteen, so I'm right in there. But you know, for the sake of the show, and I do have a special thing for Auburn because I love the way they play, like the way they're playing right now. I would not be upset at all if Auburn won, even though I got UNC winning it. Um, I've kind of put it out there how much I love Auburn. Isn't it, it's just it's just fun to watch. It's like watching the uh, Rick Pitino Kentucky. That's, it's like watching Rick Pitino Kentucky yeah. teams, and they get after it, man. They get yeah. after it. <laughs> they compete. I love yeah. to see that, and they play wide open. They don't play with fear, and that's what yeah, I exactly love. Right. I like to see a fearless team. Um, and then I said it on my podcast. Um, I don't know, a few days ago, when that, whichever one it was, that Trey Scott, who I do it with, he, he asked, he said, did you see this coming with Auburn? And I try to be an honest guy. I said no, because I wasn't watching Auburn. Because <laughs> prior <laughs> to that run they made here at the end, I thought it was horrible basketball. Yeah. I didn't want to watch it, you know. But now I'm dying to watch it. So. Um, Auburn's really whatever they figured out they've really figured it out and I love the basketball they're playing right now it's amazing to watch from courtside the NCAA tournament it's incredible how fast and athletic these guys are yeah you're getting a feel for that aren't you oh my goodness Um, 
the the Kansas game, the first five minutes, of course, they built that lead. But I, I turned to a colleague and just said, if this game gets close, Auburn's going to win it just because they're going to beat them off the dribble every time they want and get a basket. They were so much more yeah. athletic than Kansas. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, well. I hear you. Well, hopefully, hopefully that's what you see against North Carolina. We'll see. I, I'm, like I'm I said, hoping for an entertaining one. I think, I think one. the more the dribbles, Auburn's is better for Auburn. There you go. Auburn fans hope Auburn that North Carolina dribbles all over itself. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> Good one. All right. Great. Jerry Meyer, 24-7 Sports. Thanks for joining us. All right, Brent. Well, we're going to find out Friday night if Auburn can get past North Carolina. Jerry doesn't seem too confident that Auburn will, but he's he would like to see it, it sounded like. It was very interesting to hear him say that. Okay, we're going to end the podcast here with your questions from Twitter. I asked you, hey, you got any questions? I'll answer them. It's pretty simple. First question, Kevin R. Barnes asks, what are the chances of Chumo Kiki staying and or leaving? Well, and or. Staying or leaving for the NBA after this season. Um, I'm leaning more toward him actually leaving. I think he's obviously going to test the waters. Uh, with that new NCAA rule, they're allowed to be invited to the NBA Combine and have their name in the draft uh, pool for a long time before they have to pull out and come back to college. So I expect him to test the waters, and I would say it's more likely now than it was three weeks ago that he's going to go to the NBA. But he's still got to discuss it with his his coaches. But I know his coaches believe that he should test the waters because he'd be doing himself a disservice if he didn't. Um, Drunk Obby, ooh, a, a celebrity. Drunk Obby asks, when are you coming on the podcast? I didn't realize you had a podcast, Drunk Obby. And if you do, I'll be happy to come on. But only if you're actually drunk. Like, your podcast better be you actually drunk. You know Obby's a sentient being, right? And Drunk Obby's going to have to be a real drunk mascot. Tiger, I should say. Don't break character, you know. But I'll do your podcast if you have one. If Do you have one? Am I that out of the loop that I don't know? Anyway, at Tenor Scott 12 asks, if Auburn beats North Carolina, what do you think their chances are to make it to the Final Four? I, I, I mentioned this earlier in the podcast. I think I think it's pretty good. I don't see Kentucky beating Auburn for a third time this season. I don't. I just don't see it. But Auburn's going to get past North Carolina, guys. That, that It's the toughest matchup in the tournament for Auburn. Um, but if they do it, look out. Auburn Red Wing asks, what do you think of the changes to the 2020 NASCAR schedule? You know, that's a good question. You know, from a driver's perspective, I wonder if they're real. I don't know. What are you talking about? I don't follow NASCAR. Does anybody watch NASCAR anymore? Isn't that sport, like, kind of dying a little bit in the South? Because they've kind of alienated the Southern fans, right? That's if I recall. And they're trying to go national and all that, and it's not really working. Anyway, I've never been a NASCAR guy, sorry. At TA Bedex, I, I guess I said that, Tab Addicts. Seems like Austin Wiley has really improved and is in sync with the team. He is a difference maker now in the game. Is this due to injury getting better or just more experience to mesh with the team? I think it's both, uh, Tom. Uh, I think that um, He's still hobbled by it, still bothers him. He still wears a protective little brace. It's this white brace. It actually looks like a sock, but it's a brace um, that's protecting his right ankle. It still bothers him a little bit, but he played 13 minutes against Kansas. 
They keep expecting his minutes to go up. I think against North Carolina, he's going to be key. They need him in there 15 to 20 minutes. I know that might sound like a lot, but they need him in there for 15 to 20 like productive minutes defensively to help out and also get rebounds because North Carolina is like plus 10 and a half each game, and Auburn's always losing the rebound battle. I think they're averaging less, uh, less than three rebounds less than the, their opponents, I should say, uh, in games. So that's a bad mismatch, and Austin could help with that. And, and when you've seen him in there, he's helped with it with the rebounding. He hadn't necessarily gotten rebounds, but he's helped clear things out for them. Um, do the players or oh, hold on. Josh Talley 13 asks, do the players and coaches have any idea of how much they are loved by the fans? Do they know how much we are enjoying Auburn basketball? Josh, I, I think they do. Uh, hundreds of fans are showing up for reverse tiger walk outside Auburn arena, uh, for when they return from the sweet 16, or excuse me, the uh, the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament, um, all the Tiger walks before and after games. Yeah, I, I think they understand it, and Bruce Pearl's discussed it quite a bit about how important it is to the uh, fan base. Uh, Heartbreak Finch asks, is Joey Gatewood a true dual threat quarterback or just a runner? Would inexperience keep Knicks from starting against Oregon? I don't think inexperience is going to keep Bo Nix from starting against Oregon. I think it would have to take Joey Gatewood and Malik Willis winning the job um, straight up for Bo Nix not to be the starter. But as I've said on this podcast before, I wouldn't be surprised if Bo Nix is sharing snaps, if even if he was a starter, with Joey Gatewood, with Gatewood as like a um, red zone quarterback. But listen, it's way too early to to really figure that all out, but – I think the top two guys right now are Bo Nix and Joey Gatewood. Matt four one five zero three six one seven. Man, you gotta think of a you gotta get a better username. You go by Barnow though. It looks like. Did Batman survive Thanos's Thanos's massacre at the end of Infinity War? Okay, all right. As we all know, Marvel and DC are separate, except for the rare crossover event they had. What was that? Early nineteen nineties. When Marvel's like almost bankrupt. Um, and boy, if things change, Marvel's like the most lucrative business out there as far as entertainment. So anyway, if Batman was in the Marvel Universe, he would have survived somehow. Um, because he's Batman. He's always got a contingency plan. You can't... <laughs> you can't... Uh, you can't prepare for fate, I guess. But um, he would have figured something out. You know, listen, I, we all know this. Iron Man is pretty much the Batman of the Mar- Marvel Cinematic Universe at the very least. And Iron Man survived. So Batman would have survived too because he's such an important main character. Um, so yeah, Batman would have survived. But here's the thing. Uh, DC movies got me depressed now and Batman is like not doing well and... Oh my god, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about comic books right now. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Thanks for dealing with me and listening to this as I record live via tape delay in Kansas City. Much more coverage coming up at auburn.247sports.com all the way up to game day Friday, 6.29 p.m. against North Carolina, number one seed North Carolina on TBS at the Sprint Center in downtown Kansas City. Plenty of stories coming up. I'll see you guys down the road.
no one has it covered like 24-7 sports. Go Undercover with Auburn Undercover. Undercover.